0: And they've got a great sign-up offer for our listeners. New WinBet patrons who open an account and deposit $20 or more can make their first bet risk-free up to $1,000. That's right. If you open a new WinBet account, make a qualifying deposit, and place your first bet within 10 days, that bet is risk-free up to $1,000 in eligible states. To get started, all you have to do is click on the Action Network link in this episode description. Okay, let's get things started. Here we go.
1: Of the fight in the door. Welcome to Big Bets on Campus, Sources Edition, presented by WinBet. This is the BBOC podcast that ties Big J journalism to Big Bets. My co-host, the award-winning, news-breaking, Action Network's own Brett McMurphy.
0: First reported by our own Brett McMurphy.
2: Brett McMurphy is Sources. Okay, Colin, quick story here. That was Steve Levy, who reported our own Brett McMurphy. I'd been laid off at ESPN. Look, I love Steve Levy, and I want to give him a break here. He's caught a lot of grief about that soundbite. There was like 100 people that go at ESPN. It was hard to keep track of who was still at the company, who wasn't. I actually saw him in Arizona a couple of years ago, and I went up to him, and I go, Steve, man, I really appreciate you saying our own Brett McMurphy. I got so much publicity about that. A lot of positive feedback. Dude, I owe you like a, a six pack. He goes, Murph, he goes, you owe me like 12 six packs for all the publicity you got about that. So, you know, I love Levy and I'm no longer their own. I'm Action Zone.
1: Oh, awesome. Well, I'm glad Steve Levy has that sound drop. It's one of the best in college football history. I mean, just the elation of having you under the Action Network umbrella has been fantastic. Uh, so, Steve, if you're listening, shout out to you. We will send you a 12 pack, but Eye Action Network senior <laughs> writer, Colin Wilson. Brett, let's go ahead and get into this.
2: What was your instant take from week three? You know, Colin, I, I think this is going to be one of the craziest years we've ever seen. So far in the first three weeks, we've seen 19 ranked top 25 teams lose through the first three weeks. That is the most ever in AP poll history. The AP poll goes back like 70 years. And yes, I did vote in the first AP poll. So I know that was the next question. Um, you know, look, UCLA losing to Fresno state. We could go down the list because of all this. I don't know if it's parity. I don't know if it's super seniors. I don't know if it's last year with COVID. I don't know if it's a transfer portal. I don't know if it's all of the above, but for whatever reason, you know, there really doesn't seem to be one dominant team. I think everyone thought that was Alabama. I know we're going to talk about Alabama a little bit later on the show. But, you know, is this the first year that we see a two-loss team? This will be the eighth year of the playoff. Is this the first year we see a two-loss team actually make the college football playoff? It could happen because you look at the so-called bell cows of college football I can't sit here and say this team is definitely going to go undefeated the rest of the way. And you know what that means? That means chaos and that means leaving it up to the selection committee and like it or not, it boils down, it boils down to a beauty contest on what those people value and what they think is most important as far as who will make the playoff. I think there's two takeaways for me when you come to, you know, how much chaos
1: is going on in college football right now. One is the whole road travel aspect. I said this last week, and I bet it heavily, which was if you're a double-digit favorite going on the road, and this is the first time you've been on the road, it could be a shock to some of these kids' systems, and I think there is a psychological aspect. Now, that is going to go away here in the next couple of weeks. Everybody's going to get their road game in with a hostile environment, whether that be UMass or that be the Swamp, but you know, everybody's going to get their taste of the road, and I think depth is a huge deal. And I know that I talk a lot about the Razorbacks, but it's because it's a part of my life, but the biggest reason why Arkansas was never able to ever generate anything for years is because Chad Morris never recruited. The depth chart was never there. When players got hurt, things went down the tank. That's why we lost to Missouri, and they put a 50-burger on us at the end of last year because there was no linebacker depth. But now the depth is there, and it's starting to show out. So with some of these teams that are massively talented in depth and can fill holes they're better suited to to you know sustain injuries. And I think this year of the super senior, these teams that don't have the depth, you really have to keep an eye on them. And I do my power ratings. And for for those that don't know, Brett submits his AP poll vote. And then by the time you wake up fresh on Sunday morning, Brett's got his column out on the AP top 25. And at the same time that's going on, I'm up at three o'clock in the morning uh, doing Hawaii game power ratings and getting those (laughs) done so that we can compare the two so that, you know, everything from an AP voting standpoint, you know, everything from an odds makers behind the counter standpoint about where these numbers are. And I looked at the, like the top 20, Brett, and I was like, which one of these teams am I comfortable saying absolutely can win a national championship? Well, let me go down the list. I can't say that about Ohio State, and I've got them third in my list. I I don't think I could say that about Oklahoma. I don't know what's going on with Spencer Rattler. Penn State, Sean Clifford's playing clean football, but can they win a national championship? And then I come back to like a team like North Carolina, right? Loses their first game, because think about it. Depth. Sam Howe didn't know his targets, and if this is a beauty pageant for AP voters and for College Football Playoff Committee, what happens if you take a loss in the first two weeks and then you are steamrolling people like we know Sam Howe can do by the time November rolls around? There could be some value, I think, outside the top eight, top 10 odds. I think there's some value out there.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. And the thing is that the committee certainly will not penalize somebody if you lose early and you come on strong late. I think actually that can help. The issue, though, is um, you know, when you're comparing your win loss record against other teams, you're being compared with, who did you lose to? What was the circumstances of those games? You know, people think benefits you if you lose early, because then you can run the table and get back up there. I mean, look, it's a number of factors, but you know, this year, you know, the thing is when you lose, you you no longer control your destiny. You need help. You need everybody else to lose because if there's four undefeated teams and you have one loss, the committee, for all the factors they throw out there, strength of schedule, yeah. you know, margin of victory impressive you know, the bottom line is they consider one thing over everything else. And that's number of losses. Yep. If you have zero losses, you're going to get in over somebody with one loss. You can break it down any way you want. It's not that simple, but that, yes, it is that simple. There is a
1: precedence that's been set. And this rolls us into Alabama. There is a precedence that's been set. Ohio State won the Big Ten as a two-loss team. Alabama got into the college football playoff as a one-loss at large after uh, losing the SEC championship game. That Alabama team is a one-loss at large paid off for the committee. They won the national championship. I am not comfortable in saying Bama can win the national championship. This check down stuff by Bryce Young is getting a little (laughs) out of control. This offense that's being run is not Sark's offense. I'm seeing a heavy amount of two tight sets, checkdowns in the flats, uh, zone reads in out. Uh, I, I think you are the one that called it properly. You said
2: Bama's offense is. It looks to me like New England Patriots. Against Florida, this was the first time since 2018 Alabama did not have one offensive play over 30 yards. And yeah. I know you're really big into explosiveness. And I simply did not see that against Florida. They lost Devontae Smith. They lost a lot of people. But watching that Florida game, I thought I was watching a college version of the New England Patriots. Right. Short passing game, control the clock. The defense rolls everybody up and you go over the top, which they did for the one touchdown early there in the first half. But I, I don't know. I mean, you, you look at this a lot closer than I do. Is it simply the difference in talent? If the skill positions for Alabama, is that the biggest difference between this year and last year? Or is it something deeper than that?
1: The guys that they have in, in, in the backfield are just as talented. I mean, they're not household names like the Judys and the Waddles and the Devonta Smiths of the world, but they have just as much talent at the wide receiver position. The problem is Bryce Young has only thrown deep a handful of times and he is not completing passes whatsoever. Brett, let me ask you a question. If you were one of the guys in the college football playoff committee, are you taking an undefeated Cincinnati over a two loss Alabama SEC championship for the college football playoff last spot?
2: I know who you're taking. You're taking Cincinnati. Um, It really matters who the losses for Alabama are. It's, if if you tell me who the losses are, I'll give you a, give me give me. Miss, the they get
1: boat are. raced by Ole Miss and they lose forty nine to sixty six.
2: And then they beat Georgia in the yep. uh, they beat Georgia in the SEC title game. Yeah, so some sort of combination of that, you know. Yeah, I'm picking Alabama, and here's why: because Cincinnati would have gone undefeated against in a schedule where they played exactly two power five teams. Alabama would have played 10 power five teams. That's a huge difference. Cincinnati right now is projected their 12 game schedule. They will have faced at the end of the year, as long as nothing crazy happens with their opponents, four teams that end up with the winning record. So you do the power ratings, you know this better than I do. There's a dozen teams minimum that would have gone undefeated with Cincinnati's schedule. And so that's why I think Cincinnati would be held out if they go 13 and 0 and you're comparing them with a 11 and 2 Alabama that beats Georgia in the SEC title game. Don't shoot the messenger, that but that's exactly what the College Football Playoff committee will look at and that's why they reward the power five schools because they play more quality power five opponents in the regular season than the non-power leagues have the opportunity to do so. Shame on you for saying Central Florida is not a power five team. They won the uh what the
1: Collie Matrix National Championship a couple of years ago. That that's a big that's a big bullet point on the Cincinnati schedule.
2: They just lost to Louisville. And <laughs> so they screwed up my bold projections. I had them in the Fiesta. Now they're uh they've shuffled down to Gasparilla or somewhere. So, last thing I want to talk about before we move on in this segment, Clemson's terrible.
1: Uh, <laughs> wow. How do you really feel, Colin? Just get it out in the open. The offensive line cannot protect DJ Uyengaleli. But the thing that shocked me when I ran the numbers today and got the got all of the advanced stuff on them, 124th and explosive plays. I mean, what is going on with the backfield with Lynn J. Dixon? What is going on with the running backs? The timing, but with between DJ and the rest of these receivers. Uh, I I I want to take NC State, but is this where you know Clemson uh, has to turn around and, and and play their best and they prove us all wrong? There's a couple of teams like that. Like, is Ohio State gonna make Akron a, a blood sacrifice this weekend? You know, but the, the Clemson, I, I just I don't think Clemson is fixable. Georgia Tech, who lost to Northern Illinois, should not be recording safeties. Uh, In your
2: house. The thing that's working against them is that schedule. I mean, I talked about Cincinnati only playing four teams, projected to have a winning record. Clemson may only play three or four teams with a winning record. And one of those was Georgia that they lost to. Um, And oh, by the way, this is the eighth year of the college football playoff. Never in the previous seven years has a team lost its opening game and made it into the college football playoff field. So keep that in mind. As far as the Big Ten, there is no game bigger in the big 10 BIG than the battle between two unbeatens. That's right. Rutgers and Michigan <laughs> for the first time since 2006, where you are, you're probably like in third grade. <laughs> Rutgers is playing in a game featuring two teams that are unbeaten three weeks into the season. This is a historic game for Greg Schiano, And Oh, by the way, I know it's, look at the caliber of competition. Michigan actually has been somewhat surprising so far this year, even with the loss of of Ronnie Bell. Do you think that's something they can continue long-term?
1: Yeah, the schedule has been Cupcake City, directional schools and and whatnot. I just did box score review with a lot of our contributors, uh, a lot of our guys that write some of the stories at Action Network. We get together on Mondays and talk about some of the box scores we saw in upcoming. And the thing that really caught my eye is Michigan is number one in the nation in havoc allowed. And if you're not familiar with that, that is on the offensive side of the ball. And that is tackles for loss, uh, fumbles, uh, interceptions. Michigan is number one in the nation offensively and havoc allowed. No one's been tackling behind the line of scrimmage. The interceptions, everything is the lowest percentage in the nation. That, that just shocks the hell out of me. At the same time, Michigan has a rush rate of 75% on their snaps. You're going to have to throw the ball at some point, but you know, the offensive line is, is, is playing max protect against these directional schools. Uh, It's going to be interesting because believe it or not, number two in defensive havoc in the nation, Rutgers, that is shocking to me. So keep your eyes on Rutgers, Michigan, this weekend, a game I, you know, I power rate. I don't think I'm going to get involved because I don't believe anything in Michigan yet, but Rutgers, number two in defensive havoc, Michigan number one in offensive havoc allowed. Definitely a key spot for me to watch this weekend.
2: The sources speed round.
1: Okay, let's move on to one of our favorite segments here. In this segment, I get to ask Brett as many questions as possible in a 60 second span. If I hear anything gambling wise, if I hear anything that could help any of us get a wager down, get to the window, get some information to help us make a bet before maybe the mass public hears about it then Brett has to explain himself when I throw a timeout. Are you ready, Brett? Let's do it. All right, the clock starts now. BYU is 3-0. Would 12-0 BYU make the college football playoff? No. <laughs> okay, then where do you project them <laughs> playing in the postseason? The Fiesta Bowl against Cincinnati. That'd be fantastic. Can 12-0 Cincinnati make the college football playoff?
2: No, not without chaos, four winning teams, two power five opponents, sorry.
1: Nope, I'm calling timeout. With an Indiana-Notre Dame brand name
2: on this schedule, you tell me why. So who would you put them above? If A a two-loss Alabama team that has wins over Miami, Florida, LSU, Auburn, etc., but they have two losses to Ole Miss, whoever else you want to throw in there, uh, you know, people get so enamored with being undefeated. How many teams would go undefeated against that schedule? As far as Cincinnati, I think there's probably a dozen teams that could go undefeated against their schedule. Indiana, I hate to say this, this Indiana is not last year's Indiana. You mentioned the I test earlier. You know what the eye test is? It's what I think. That's what the eye test is. I think Indiana is a shell of it, the team it was last year. Um, In Notre Dame. I know your power ratings have them a lot lower than they're currently ranked in the AP poll. Look, I would give Cincinnati a great deal of credit. Those are two huge road wins. But I don't think you can put a team in the playoff because they have two huge road wins against power five opponents when the power five schools that they're competing against for that playoff spot have eight, nine or 10 power five opponents.
1: You're just ruining, you're just like crushing my dream of Luke Fickle in Cincinnati drawing Ohio State in a semifinal playoff game. It would be such an amazing feat. Oh, and then by the way, Luke Fickle would get hired at Michigan as their head coach. That
2: would be hilarious. I do think Cincinnati's got a better chance than Ohio State to get the playoff for what that's worth. That is a statement. I should almost throw a flag and call a time. They can't play defense. They squeaked out against Tulsa. I mean, you think they would have a huge rebound now obviously that doesn't mean they can't run the table they can't fix things there's some serious issues defensively with Ohio State maybe they get it corrected but Penn State's not going away Iowa's not going away Michigan is a little bit different I'm not I think they'll be competitive this year I don't think it's a cakewalk for Ohio State all right let's put you back on the clock (laughs) who is the dumpster fire team of the week Florida State. And we may have to change the name of this question to the Florida State Dumpster Team of the Week because they are going to be the dumpster team of the week every week until they win a game. I'm calling clock again. Timeout.
0: <laughs> All right. I, I
2: know that you didn't expect this here, but is Mike Norvell in trouble? Short answer, yes. Clay Helton is example one A. Once you lose a fan base, you can't get them back. And so basically, as an athletic director or president, you have two options. One is to defend the coach, give him all the support you can back him up. But if the reality is, if he doesn't win 70% of the the rest of the way, the fans are going to want him out. And if so, you're backing him, you're out there up front, then you know what? They'll say, well, you know, we can get a new AD too. We don't have to have you around. I don't think that's necessarily fair. I just think that's how the reality is as far as college athletics these days. Think that happened with Clay Helton. Once you're on the quintessential hot seat, you're never off of it. As soon as something goes wrong, you lose a the game, then everybody piles on. See, we need a new coach. This is what's wrong with the program. By the way, they're one of nine winless teams. Florida State can be be a proud member with the likes of UConn and UMass. That's where they are right, right now. Did you see what the Florida State woman tweeted mm-hmm. last week? No. She encouraged all Florida State females not to have sex with Florida State football players anymore until they start playing better. If they try to have sex with them, say, no, you guys aren't good enough, and instead to seek out a basketball player or an athlete that plays another sport. By the way, at the same time, the Florida State message boards, yes, we're talking about the knowles they had their wish list of the next Florida State coach. Gus Malzahn, won. two was Hugh Freeze, three was Lane Kiffin four was Art Bryos, and five was anyone else. Breaking news, anyone else is the favorite at this point. Just, <laughs> this uh, should help basketball recruiting. Leonard uh
1: it's a good day for him. <laughs> I, I'm going to put the clock back on. Who has the most unrealistic boosters in college football? Is it Florida State or Texas?
2: Uh, Texas. Yeah. Texas. I mean, Florida State, you don't have to win a national championship, maybe win an ACC title. Uh, <laughs> I think they'd be happy. Texas, it's national title or bust.
1: Let's do one last question, wrap up this speed round. Uh, true or false, Billy Napier will be a head coach in the SEC. A
2: couple of years ago, yes. Currently, no. That
1: guy, I've never, He's been, your so boy. <laughs> I've never been so pissed off in my life. And for those of you that don't know, I had under 57. Uh, everybody on the Action App was either able to get 57 with me or closed at 56 and a half. Louisiana Lafayette was just drumming Ohio. And with a minute and a half left, they put the backup quarterback in, ran tempo, went for it on fourth down at midfield, and then did everything they could to get another touchdown in to win by 35 with 20 seconds left on the board. That game, that touchdown at the end also made the total go over. Uh, it was uncalled for, it was unnecessary. And Billy Napier is just looking like a scrub over there, smiling, happy, got another bullet point for the resume. I, I, and you know what he said at halftime? I'm glad our Action Network social team clipped it. <laughs>
2: Scared money don't make
1: money, you know. His name was up for Tennessee. His name was up for South Carolina. What What's going on with this guy?
2: Is he failing interviews horribly? No, actually, he, he could have accepted a couple of SEC jobs, and for whatever reason, he decided not to. Uh, I know he's got a new agent this year. Uh, will that help him or hurt him? We'll, we'll have to see. Bottom line is he's got to win. I just wonder if, and this is for any coach, not Napier specific, but when you're having a great deal of success and you and you're at a smaller school and you don't make the jump, you know you're always not going to be the hot coach. You're only a you know seven and five, eight and four season away from being irrelevant again. So that's something you've got to you've got to fight against. Maybe Napier was running tempo when he's up twenty one late to to impress uh, maybe a future employer. But I think his dream job, I'm sure a lot of people's dream job, would be. To eventually be the Alabama head coach. Um he was there previously as an assistant. Will that happen? Uh you know, I don't know. Nick Saban, you know, Colin, you and I will be out of be out of work long before Nick Saban ever retires. So he may have to wait a long time if he if that's the one job he's holding out for.
1: That is quite interesting. I always thought Saban once he surpassed the Bear Bryant mark at Alabama, which will be his next national title. I'm not really sure what else is left. But then again, uh, Tom Brady is so far out of range from any other NFL team,
2: any other NFL player like he keeps playing and beating everybody. So Saban's uh, got nothing else he loves more than coaching football. He is not looking to get numbers, championships. He just wants to be involved. I'm dead serious. He is not retiring any. I was joking about we'd be out of work before him, but I'm like 90 percent serious. <laughs> <laughs> he is not looking to, Oh, okay. I've got X number of wins. Now I'm going to go retire because what's he going to do when he retires? He'll go crazy. He has to be a coach.
1: I thought you were going to retire on the number of Alabama bets. You kept winning, but you find, we finally caught you. In one. Yeah.
2: That, that evened up real quick.
1: <laughs> All right. Let's go to the AP top 25 versus the action network. Top 25. I, I one thing I want to point out, I, I, Auburn was 22nd. They fell down to 23rd. I actually bumped them a number of power rating points up. They played a very clean box score. They gave Penn state a heck of a game. Uh, Nothing. The only embarrassment in that entire game was Mike Bobo throwing a fade in the end zone as the critical play. I, I mean, that's what lost the game. Mind blowing what that play call was. What
2: was the worst goal line call Auburn's fade or Florida's two point conversion, Florida's two point conversion. Okay. That was God awful.
1: Why Anthony Richardson wasn't asked to come in and run the guy is 6'4, 250. And if you don't think he isn't moving a pile, I don't know why he couldn't come in for just one single play. So, moving on, it's interesting to see North Carolina two 59 point wins in a row over no name schools, but they're still ranked 21st. This is a team that I have pushed up as high as 14th in the Action Network Power Ratings. The path is there, Miami is. (laughs) <laughs> that that should not be a tough game at all. From what I'm seeing about this defense tackling in space and how Michigan State abused them, North Carolina has a clear path to Clemson in the ACC championship game. Another one on the list, Coastal Carolina survives Buffalo. Uh, I can see that the AP poll moved them from 16 down to 17. Buffalo mm-hmm. had their way with Coastal Carolina, and I did a box score review earlier tonight. The Everything that we know about the Coastal offense last year, about the magnificent line play, the rushing success rate that they have draining the clock and being one of the best teams in the nation, offensive finishing drives. That's all still there. The defense is not there. They're outside the top 100 and havoc and a whole bunch of other things. So coastal, I don't know where you put coastal in your personal AP,
2: but there were some problems with Buffalo. Yeah. I dropped coastal down the 22. I mean, look, I don't, I don't even know if coastal should be ranked. I mean, the Citadel, Kansas and Buffalo you know that's not a resume at this point. I think deserves to be ranked. They're in there. I think they get a lot of credit for what they did um last year. And then their next two games, UMass, your favorite, your favorite team, and Stuckey's favorite team. And then Louisiana Monroe. I mean, give me a break. I mean, they're gonna be five and zero. Oh, they played nothing but tomato cans. You know, it's oh, if they run the table, should we put them in the playoff? Absolutely not. Right. Um, give them credit for winning the games for the opponents they face, but I, I don't think this team's as strong as it was last year.
1: Yeah. Well, I might be betting UMass again uh, this week. So we'll <laughs> <laughs> somebody, somebody take my phone away from me. Uh, one other thing I wanted to point out about the top 25, we argued last week, about, well, argued, we, we definitely pointed out the Oregon, Iowa factor here and Penn state, you know, they get a bump from 10 up to six, completely agree there. They're up to number five in the action network power ratings. I think one thing that we have to talk about the AP poll, which if these teams keep winning, I would expect them to keep ranking the same. The one loss teams in the AP poll are Clemson, Ohio State, and Florida. That's not what I have. I have Ohio State, Florida, and Clemson pretty uh, like five points less than those two. Is that your three
2: in the pecking order of the one losses? I actually have Clemson nine on my ballot, Florida 10, Ohio State 11. Hmm. Um, I actually moved Florida up. I had him 14 last week. I moved him up four spots for losing to Alabama. Is that crazy? Yeah, maybe so. But, you know, look, they played South Florida and FAU uh, the first couple of weeks. And then, you know, they had a very good chance to take Bama into overtime. And, you know, just because they lost the game, I'm not going to automatically say, okay, I had you at 14 last week. So now I'm going to shuffle you down. No, you're the first team in two years that took Bama to the wire you're going to move up in my mind, and and I think they should be. Real quick, Colin, one thing that that jumped out at me is the difference in the rankings between Oklahoma and Ole Miss. I know you can't just simply compare schedules and results and decide Team A is better than Team B, but, boy, this one jumps out at you. You look at Oklahoma's game against Tulane, went down to the wire, Tulane recovers an onside kick, and then Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin could have scored 300, on Tulane, if he wanted to. Yet the Sooners, again, based on preseason rankings, are ten to fifteen spots higher than Ole Miss. Um, when I, what's your power rate? What's your power ratings for an Ole Miss Oklahoma game right now? What would that be? On, on a neutral site, Oklahoma minus four and a half, and that four and gap, a half. Okay, so gap. I would think they'd be they should be much closer in the poll than they are right now. We'll have to find out. Ole Miss in two weeks the epic game at Bama at 3.30 p.m. Eastern on CBS. So we'll find out uh, if if Kiffin can be the first coach in college football history that is an assistant of Nick Saban to actually defeat Saban.
1: Well, I can tell you right now, one of those teams is in fifth gear, has more horsepower on their boat, uh, and is not committing penalties every other play. And that team that I'm talking about is not Alabama.
2: Right, you're right.
1: And now as a quick reminder to our listeners, The Big Bets on Campus Podcast is presented by Winbet Sportsbook, and they've got a great sign-up offer for you guys this season. New Winbet patrons who open an account and deposit $20 or more can make their first bet risk-free up to $1,000. That's right. If you open a new Winbet account, make a qualifying deposit, and place your first bet within 10 days, That bet is risk-free, up to $1,000 in eligible states. $1,000? That's probably more than what Bo Nix is being paid just to drink sweet tea. But to take advantage of this win bet offer, just click on the Action Network link in the episode description. Must be 21 or older to gamble. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All righty, let's get back to the show. We are going to move into our segment, the Heisman Handicap.
2: This is your Heisman Handicap. The Heisman Trophy is awarded to.
1: So, Brett, we've had some we've had some odds change. I just wanted to point out a couple of them and then and, and tell me your thought. Now, if you guys didn't know, Brett does vote for the Heisman. Uh, and I've been peppering his text messages the last couple of years, uh, a couple of weeks before the vote to say, so- hey, you know, tell me how this who all is. You know, how, what's the percentage of people that put it in early? Are they watching these championship games? How What does this long shot have a shot? Uh, so a couple things to point out these odds are all by win bet Spencer Rattler is 10 to 1 he still has zero big time throws and now he has five turnover worthy plays I can't explain what's going on with Spencer Rattler in his game I can't see him winning the Heisman Oh, you makes the playoff sure he's in New York winning it, it's just not there for me Matt Corral Plus 180. I mean, this, this, am I crazy? Like, I know there's no interceptions, no turnover worthy plays. He's got a thousand yards passing another 200 on the ground, but why would you not, why would you bet Matt Corral plus 180 versus say Ole Miss at win bet, which is 30 to one to win the SEC. What do you think about that one?
2: Well, I think, you know, if you should, if if you like Matt Corral before the season, you knew about him, you knew what he could do. So you would have got much better odds than you do now. Um, And look, he's put up monster numbers. Uh, You know, the good news, what benefits him and Lane Kiffin is, I don't think anyone, it's not like with Spencer Rattler, you could say, okay, he's he's a benefit of the system. He's the latest cog for Lincoln Riley. So it's it's a plug and play. Where with Ole Miss and Kiffin, that's not the case. But I think he's benefits from Kiffin's offense, obviously. I think it's similar with Joe Burrow a couple of years ago. When Joe Burrow went at Alabama, like whatever money you had laying around, you had to put it on Burrow to win the Heisman at that point because he had locked it up. I think the same thing here. If Ole Miss goes in and wins at Alabama, unless they lose three of their final six games, I think Corral's got this wrapped up. And I know we talked about last week, I'm guilty. Bryce Young, if you think Alabama's going to win the title, he's the guy. He should win it. But if they're just going to dink and dunk everything, I don't know if Heisman voters are going to go for that. Maybe they'll open up the offense later on. But I think it's, you know, I think we'll know a lot more in two weeks as far as Corral's Heisman Trophy candidacy. um, If they can win at Alabama, and even if they lose, I still think he's got a decent shot. But again, it's imperative that Ole Miss three game, consecutive four consecutive games LSU at Auburn, Liberty and Texas A&M. At worst, they can they need to go 3 and 1 if they lose that Bama game for Corral to win the Heisman. I don't I would be very surprised if a 9 and 3 uh a quarterback on a 9 and 3 team won the uh won the Heisman.
1: Yeah, and and I think the bar has been set by Lamar Jackson. You've got to have about 50 total TDs at a minimum uh to to win the Heisman as a team that has three losses or more. Uh so we'll see if Matt Corral can get there. But plus 180 I could I could not recommend that at this time. I mean I think Ole Miss 30 to one to win the SEC is probably (laughs) worth a lot more in value. Uh and also don't forget Ole Miss has the easiest crossover scheduling of any team in the SEC West, I believe, with Vanderbilt. And South Carolina. So that's a, that's a live 30 to one ticket. If you think Matt Corral could beat Alabama. And right now, I think that's a huge possibility. One name I want to throw out. uh, Casey Thompson is now back on the board at 200 to one Texas, half their drives were explosive drives. But if you look a little bit farther into the box score, that was all Bajan John Robinson. Uh, And I wonder if the reason why he's getting open so much was able to run over rice is a rice is terrible or B Casey Thompson makes you respect the pass. We'll see how that works out if Thompson starts taking some deep passes. I'm going to throw a little shout out to uh, Sean Clifford, now 80 to one. He's playing clean games. He's on a Penn state team that can make the college football playoff. Uh, can he win the Heisman? I, I'm not positive. Uh Brett, do you have a, a simple yes or no, or in the top three, if Sean Clifford puts up 75% of Matt Corral's stats, but wins the big 10.
2: Yes. Because that means he would have wins at Wisconsin, home against Auburn, at Iowa, at Ohio State, a home win against Michigan, and a road win at Michigan State. Absolutely. He will guaranteed be in the top three if he puts up those numbers for 12 0 Penn State. <laughs> Sean Clifford in the Heisman conversation 2021
1: comes at you pretty fast. Gino Toretto, move over. Oh, yeah, get out of the way uh listen there's no odds on brennan armstrong but i have to point out he has 1300 yards that leads all quarterbacks right now 11 tds to two ints hard to see a virginia quarterback winning it uh desmond ritter now 10 to 1 to make the top three that's all i want that's all i want brad i don't need him to win the heisman I want the top three Just one of the top sam Howe, 25 to 1 was at the top of this list uh preseason uh sam Howe is now at win bet 25 to 1 to make the top three his path is in front of him miami notre dame Clemson. That's the big three games that he's got before the voting for the Heisman to make the top three at 25 to one. The more he gets familiar, I mean, two fifty-nine point games in a row, the more familiar he gets with his weapons. I think there's a lot of value. If you can get to the win bet number to, because they're the only ones offering top three for the Heisman. That is a, it's a crazy number on a guy that was one of the you know odds on favorite beginning of the season.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're right, Clint. Uh, you're right, Colin, because what we talked about earlier where you know we think this could be one of the craziest years in college football history we may not have any undefeated teams if that happens and there are a lot of there's a lot of chaos so somebody like a like a Sam Howe that was supposedly out of the Heisman running after week 1 could could shuffle their way back into that if uh, there's a lot of teams losing and and a lot of um chaos in the in the rankings and Yeah, I mean, you make a great point about Sam Howe possibly having a shot to get back up there in in the mix there.
1: All right, we're in our final segment. We're going to go the playoff payoff.
2: Uh, Playoff? Don't talk about it. Playoff? You kidding me? Playoff?
1: All right, so in this segment, we're going to talk about, you know, the AP top four, Brett's top four, my top four uh, in the Action Network power ratings. To give some odds out right now, Alabama is plus 180 to win the college football national championship. Georgia plus 220, two SEC teams less than plus 250 to win the whole thing. That tells you the reflection that odds oddsmakers have on Oklahoma 7 to 1, Clemson 15 to 1, Iowa how Iowa state 15 to 1. I don't even get that. Uh Oregon still your Oregon Ducks that you got up there in the top 5, they're 30 Black to crack. 1 still. Yeah, I like them. Yeah, Penn State 40 to 1, their path is in front of them and uh Ole Miss out there 50 to 1. I like that 30 to 1 of SEC better than that, but uh, you know, so to round out the list, uh, Cincinnati at 100 to one. A and M their their path to the national championship starts against Arkansas this weekend. They're at 80 to one, and Iowa, as we said last week, still at 80 to one. Brett, anything sticking out there? I, I the the value on Alabama plus 180. That I, I don't even know if they can win the SEC. I don't know if I take that number to win the SEC.
2: Uh, then certainly don't tank them to win the national <laughs> title. Yeah, I mean, it's things are it's funny, things change week to week after the Miami game. everyone's conceding. Alabama's going to win the national title. and now it's like, oh wow, Alabama's human. Uh, you know, Georgia looks really, really good. Uh, I do think if we have 12 and0 Alabama against 12 and0 Georgia, the loser of that game, sorry, non-SEC fans, the loser of that game, I think makes the playoff. The SEC gets two playoff teams. And as bad as the Pac-12 is now, and yes, the Pac-12 right now smells like bad fish, with the exception of Oregon. And that, that win over Ohio State will carry so much weight that no matter how bad the Pac-12 is, if Oregon can take care of business, maybe even lose a game in conference play, but win the Pac-12 championship, I think Oregon will be in the college football playoff for the first time since the inaugural playoff in 2014
1: you know what's going to happen Oregon's going to get to that Pac-12 championship game undefeated and then the Pac-12 is going to piss down its leg and UCLA (laughs) or somebody from the south could be Jackson Dart we don't know somebody from the south is going to end up beating Oregon so
2: Uh, it'll be BYU I think BYU's clinched the the Pac-12 south after (laughs) opening with wins over Utah Arizona and Arizona State
1: oh boy that was a bet of the
2: weekend for me with you and you and stuck going against Uh, oh man I don't want to get into that (laughs) turnovers right. penalties uh, yeah. you know yada 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 some home cooking refereeing
1: going on too i mean yeah. easily at arizona state was out of bounds when that spike came from Algeria. that was that was such a badly refereed game next subject brett thank you for joining me this has been big bets on campus sources edition tomorrow afternoon you can hear our red hot group of five experts mike ianello and mike calabrese on our g5 deep dive episode And late, late Thursday night, Stucky and I return for our week four betting preview, all right here on the BBOC podcast. Brett's got to get back to blowing up athletic directors' phones. I've got to get back to watching this UMass line. I might be betting them again this weekend. Thanks for joining me, Brett. I will see everybody at the window.